Thanks for stopping by Ready or Not on the Barker Media Network. I'm your host, Chris Ferreira, and we have a great show in store for you today. Today's show is going to dive into the announcement by Bob Iger to step down as CEO of the Walt Disney Company, the revival of the XFL, and two hit shows on Fox right now, The Masked Singer and Lego Masters. Hope you enjoy. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the second episode of Ready or Not. I'm your host, Chris Ferreira. We're just going to dive right in. We got some big stuff to talk about today, especially this first topic. We're going to talk a little bit about Bob Iger. For you that don't know who Bob Iger is, you must be living under a rock because Bob Iger owns arguably maybe the second or third biggest company in the world, I'd say. You know, probably Apple, Amazon are up there, but not too far. The Walt Disney Company. Did I say owned? He doesn't own it. He just runs it. At least he used to run it. Bob Iger steps down as Walt Disney Company CEO. Big news last week, right? February 25th, my birthday, and the official launch date of the Barker Media Company. We were so excited to just share all of our stuff. And then, of course, the House of Mouse comes and steals all our spotlight that day. Iger announced he'd be stepping down as CEO, effective immediately, transitioning power over to another Bob, Bob Chapek. Bob Chapek, which will become the seventh CEO in Disney's history. But we're not going to talk so much about Bob Chapek. Let's talk about Bob Iger, who, in my opinion, after I give you a little background on him, hopefully you'll think this too, um, might be the most influential and important CEO that Disney has had since Walt Disney. I might be so bold enough to say it after spending the time to look into everything that he has done. My God. Bob Iger took over control of the Walt Disney Company back in 2005. Before that, he was actually working at ABC in the late 90s, where he was their president. Famously, we all know that ABC was acquisitioned by Disney in the late 90s, transitioning Bob over to Disney. And by early 2005, he was announced as Michael Eisner's successor. So he took over back in 2005. Bob had a lot on his plate, right? Now, we all think of the Disney company as this, you know, fairy tale, amazing company dating back almost almost 100 years now and uh and that's what it was for a majority of all of our childhoods and everything but when bob took over it was kind of a rough rough patch for disney right the internet was starting to become a big deal all of these other competitors started popping up and i'm not saying that disney was falling by the wayside but their product which you know, will never go stale because we're always going to have kids and everything. But it was not, shall I say, growing in in the conscious of the new world order that was the internet and the media, right? It has just been kind of an animation company. So Bob taking over at, at the boom of technology had his hands in the cookie jar 
of some of the most important decisions in the history of this company. I'll rattle off a couple of things that he was able to do um, in his tenure at Disney, those great 15 years. Bob oversaw the acquisition of Pixar in 2006 for $7.4 billion, which was a huge deal because Pixar was starting to creep into Disney's territory and slowly was dominating the animation realm, winning most of the awards and the box office. So it was a huge get for Disney to partner those two companies up. And now you're seeing um, the boom that is the Pixar world. In fact, we're about to get a new Pixar film this weekend, their 22nd film. And that was a, a great business deal to increase Disney's profits because Disney animation had not been uh, keeping up with with Pixar, right? Toy Story, Ratatouille, Monsters, Inc., all these films were dominating some of Disney's products. So it was a great get by them. The second thing he does, in 2009, he acquisitions Marvel Entertainment for $4 billion, right on the heels of the huge successful Iron Man film, right? Iron Man with Robert Downey Jr. He acquisitions and has the foresight to add this property, which beforehand, I mean, Marvel had just kind of been a comic book company. Most of their films had had not had the success that uh, we are used to seeing in the last, uh, you know, 12 years that the MCU has had. He had the foresight also to put Kevin Feige in charge of the MCU to create this 20-plus film arc, and it and it's not ending anytime soon. We are now getting television shows off that. Um, the amount of money that Disney has made just off of that acquisition, my God. Um, so add that to the list, Pixar, Marvel. Then in 2012, he adds Lucasfilm to the portfolio for another $4 billion. And they create another trilogy of Star Wars that just ended with uh, The Rise of Skywalker and a plethora of Disney TV shows, including a very popular one right now, The Mandalorian. And uh, again another property in Disney's pocket. And last, the biggest one that was just announced this past year, he was integral in the acquisition of a huge competitor and entertainment titan, 21st Century Fox, right? Most of you guys know 20th Century Fox. (laughs) Films like Aliens and Avatar and products like The Simpsons, all of that was acquisitioned by Disney for a price tag of $71.3 billion. Oh my God. I, I don't even know how, it just blows my mind. So everything that 20th Century Fox has done in their in their company's history is now owned by the Disney company. And uh, in fact, Fox is going to be losing its name soon. So that, that famous name that we know will no longer be on films. It'll be 20th Century and uh, Searchlight instead of Fox Searchlight. They're going to be... Fox is sticking to sports and uh, news. They're getting out of the movie business. But Disney now, happily, will take all their products and uh, use them on... Lastly, the final thing that Bob was very integral in creating... Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, right? The streaming wars. We live in a day, an age where 
Many, many mediums and many, many companies are vying for our attention. I'm sure all of us have some combination of Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, Showtime, HBO, Peacock, the new one for NBC, um, Disney Plus, God knows what else. There's a million of them, right? I can't keep track of them all. So Disney launched their Disney Plus at the end of 2019 to join these streaming wars in a bundle package with Hulu, which is also owned by Disney and ESPN Plus. And honestly dominated the end of 2019 with that, with their release of their archive of all of their old animation, as well as the new TV product, The Mandalorian, the Star Wars franchise, and all their other Marvel products, every season of The Simpsons, National Geographic, everything. So, I mean, it was a kind of perfect time for Bob Iger to transition out after setting the company up for, my God, just sustained success in all of these avenues by moving Disney from just an animation company to now the company that controls all of the franchises that are, you know, in most of our wheelhouses, at least according to your guys' pocketbooks, the ones that people go and see in the theaters and spend the most money on, Disney owns a majority of them. In fact, I think Disney owned nine of nine or ten of the top box office gets in 2019 uh, last year. So everybody's going out to see Disney products. Bob was integral in broadening their you know, portfolio from just an animation company to now the company that controls Marvel, Star Wars, Indiana Jones, and every other 20th Century Fox product. In fact, 20th Century Fox, I mean, products like the Avatar franchise, which, I mean, it's one film now, but we're about to get a couple of those. The monster franchises like Alien, now he controls. We're going to get another Indiana Jones movie. We're also going to get a bunch of new Star Wars content, I'm sure, on Disney+. Plus. So Bob was just, in my opinion, the growth that Disney has had in the last 15 years in a time where, you know, it's not just people choosing to go to the movie theater and pay money to go see a movie like it was however many decades ago, where that's all really you had to worry about. Were people going to see your movie in theaters? Now you have to worry about, are people going to see my movie in theaters when they get home? Are they going to be tuning in on their streaming services? Are they going to be subscribing to my stuff? I mean, the competition every second. I mean, I feel like we are consuming information and data at a record setting pace right now. I know I am definitely. I go to work and even while I'm at work, I'm consuming information, consuming data, whether it's, you know, Netflix, whether it's podcasts, whether it's news, whether it's um, streaming services, everything. We have everything at the tip of our fingers, and if you are not staying relevant, you are falling behind. And so I have to give my tip of the cap to Bob Iger for having the foresight to, you know, get Disney caught back up because it looked like Netflix and all these things were starting to dominate the day. And uh, it was not enough to just have, you know, the classic cartoons and animated films that children love to watch. You had to stay relevant with other age groups. So hats off to Bob for that. I want to transition now to the challenges that I think Bob Chapek is going to be facing here uh, 
going forward, now that Bob is transitioning out, I don't think it's going to be so easy for Disney going forward, right? As I was just talking about, there's a million other options for us to go and watch, right? Why should I just watch Disney stuff? Here's the first kind of problem. First off, this has nothing to do with viewership, but Bob Chapek, little background on him, he was running Disney Parks before being announced as the CEO of Disney. And one of the big things that he was a part of was launching the uh, new Shanghai and um, Hong Kong Disney resorts out in China, right? And those were going to be huge because the Chinese market is huge. And Disney has not done well in the Chinese market. So it was going to be a big launch to get those resorts and parks going to try to make Disney more global and not just an American product. But as we all know, the coronavirus that is going on right now, the scare, the markets are down and Disney right now is struggling and, and they're hemorrhaging and losing a lot of money because people are not going to their parks. In fact, um, I read that, uh, that their income, their park quarterly operation income dropped 135 million, um, in the last couple months just because of this scare. So it's a big deal right now. They're having a struggle with that. How Chapek deals with this, this virus is going to be a big, uh, big deal for the Disney company going forward in the next couple months. Definitely. Uh, over 70,000 theaters have closed, um, which is awful because Disney has a product coming out that is suited for that market. The new Mulan movie is about to release. So this, uh, this virus is really going to put a damper in their quarterly, uh, numbers. We'll see how they deal with that going forward. Another problem that I think they have going forward and we'll see how Chapek deals with this again. I think Bob Iger left set him up, right? He, he set the tee up and he put the ball on it, but we have to see if these guys can, can, you know, innovate some more. We saw the same problems with Apple at the passing of Steve Jobs, and they struggled at first to kind of get the, get the thing going, allowing competitors to catch up. Um, the second one that I was going to talk about, Disney Plus, right? I think Disney Plus is in a little bit of trouble at the moment. As I said earlier, it was a huge success when it launched. 28.6 million subscribers because everyone was tuned in to watch the, you know, all their old Disney favorites and cartoons and animation. And they had the launch of the Mandalorian series, which every Star Wars fan had to subscribe to get it, right? But now that the Mandalorian has ended and we're kind of in this dead space between the next season of it, Disney Plus is kind of, you know, fallen by the wayside. I think. I think Netflix has rebounded where I thought Netflix was in a lot of trouble. They have rebounded in accruing a lot of content, um, whether it be, you know, new Netflix series or new films or acquisition, acquisitioning, uh, you know, top award-winning products and stuff like that. They have been able to, you know, resist the, the initial barrage and storm of Disney Plus and are now closing in that gap and Disney plus really hasn't done anything new since the Mandalorian launch. I mean, we all love to have the archive of the children's films, you know, especially if you're parents and everything, but eventually you're going to want to watch new things. And especially in, if your demographic is not one that is a parent, um, you're going to need new products. And so far Disney plus has not launched any new products yet. Again, as I said, they've acquisitioned Fox, they have acquisition Marvel and they have many television shows coming 
including the Marvel Cinematic Universe television shows that are supposed to launch either the end of 2020 or 2021, which is going to give them another big bump. But until that point, I think their their numbers are going to go down because they haven't really done anything new in terms of product and everything. So we'll see how that does. That's that's another big uh, big thing they have to worry about. I personally think as soon as that MCU stuff starts launching, their numbers are going to go through the roof again. People are, you know, obsessed about the MCU. I know I am. I stay tuned for all of it, trying to keep track of the entire timeline. And honestly, nobody has been able to do what Kevin Feige and Marvel have been able to do in terms of creating this lasting universe. So hats off to them. I know they'll be able to figure that out. Third big thing that they got to figure out, what is going on with the Star Wars films, right? You just finished episode nine. The reception for the last three films has been hit or miss. Some people really like it. Diehard Star Wars fans obviously aren't the biggest fans of it. So you're kind of in this gray area where is the franchise on hold for a while? Are you going to continue making movies? Are we going to transition to television? We don't know, right? When they went away from the episodics and started making solo films, hint, the word solo, they had first a very good success with Rogue One, but the second one, the solo disaster, where you fire the writers, you fire a director, you have problems with your lead actor, um, and it was the biggest box office failure. I wouldn't even say it's a failure. You know, we're talking about the biggest, one of the biggest companies in the world, so they don't really have failures. I mean, it made $300 million when it had a, a budget of over $200 million. So, I mean, they made money. But to their standard, that is an absolute failure when they're supposed to be releasing films that are grossing over a billion dollars. So it's now given some some hesitance and some heed to the Disney executives and Kathleen Kennedy and them. And if they should release another feature film, we'll see if they decide to go that route. If they decide to go standalone films, I think they're going to try to pump out more television content. They do really well with their animation stuff. In fact, they have a new seventh season of clone wars coming out. They have another show called resistance. That is an anime cartoon. And I really think that they should go the way that the Mandalorian, uh, was going because that seems to be a model that you can keep running out. You're not going to make old Star Wars fans upset by continuing to pump out the same Skywalker saga. Leave that alone. Create new stories in this universe. Create new characters that people can fall in love with. Um, I, I'm not even going to... I don't even know if I am a fan of the, the newest three films or if I didn't enjoy them. I'm a Star Wars fan, so I just enjoy all things Star Wars. But, you know, even myself, who is really easy to please, I, I wasn't the biggest uh, fan of the, of the last three. And again, I'm comparing this to arguably the greatest uh, franchise in film history, which was those first three Star Wars. So the bar was set so high. Again, I enjoyed the films. They were fun. But regular Star Wars fans and diehard Star Wars fans are constantly going to be at war over what you decide to do with the franchise going forward. I think you should go the television route. Keep telling stories like The Mandalorian. Keep filling in the gaps of the timeline. Leave the Skywalker name alone. That's just my opinion. So we'll see what they decide to do on that front. And the last thing, again, I talked to you guys about the $71 billion 
uh, acquisition of 20th Century Fox. And uh, we're going to find out when when is that going to pay off, right? I'm sure it will. But that is a lot of money to recoup, all right? Movies in the X-Men series that they've been pumping out have not been doing well. Um, you have the... The Simpsons franchise, which is a really popular franchise, right? And again, people are going to forever be tuned into that on your streaming service. But uh, a lot of their films that they have been releasing, the new release, have not been uh, have not been exceeding the mark. So again, we're not going to know fully for probably another couple years. Again, $71 billion. That is, that is a lot of money. So it's going to, it, it's an investment for the future. And uh, we'll see how that pays off. So Bob Chapek has a lot on his plate, a lot, a lot on his plate. But again, this is about Bob Iger. Hats off to this man. In fact, he increased the value of Disney. And this is why I think he is arguably the most important CEO in the company's history besides Walt. When Bob Iger took over, the market capitalization value of Disney was $48.4 billion. Him leaving... $257 257 billion dollars upon his stepping down. Almost five times as much. Wow. So hats off to Bob Iger. Enjoy retirement, whatever you're going to plan on doing. I heard him say he wants to, his son's trying to get him to buy the Knicks. That'd be awesome, right? Knicks need new ownership. But hats off to Bob Iger and uh Disney. Don't don't rest on your laurels, all right? Everyone's coming. Every network's coming, so you got to stay active. Stay active. All right, we're going to transition off of Disney now. Talked enough about them. I want to talk about the XFL as I'm watching XFL games right now. For some of you that don't know, again, probably a lot of you that don't know because this is a brand new, well, not a brand new, but it's a revamped league from 2001 that is brought back alive. The XFL is a, I wouldn't even say a competitor company to the NFL, but it is a, you know, a a league that is trying to grow football for year-round. We already are watching football 20, 24-7, the calendar that they've created. It's why they're the biggest sport in North America, well, at least in the United States, because they control the news cycle. There is football 24-7, whether it's the season, the off-season, the combine, which just happened, the draft is coming up, free agency. Right, so the league dominates the calendar, but again, during the off season, people want to still watch football. So Vince McMahon of the WWE, many of you guys know him, had the bright idea uh, two decades ago. Had the bright idea to try to release a league during the spring so people could still watch football. It did not go well in its first launch because they tried to make it too much like the WWE and had a bunch of ridiculous stuff that strayed away from what was important the on-field product and so the league crumbled after one year fast forward about 18 years vince mcmahon has now created a great product if you aren't watching the new games are so exciting they're so just entertaining the new rules that they have implemented i honestly think that the nfl is going to steal some of them for some of you guys that haven't been watching, and I recommend you to watch, they've changed a couple of the rules. A couple of the rules, they've changed the kickoff. So now you have you have a kicker standing alone, kicking the ball downfield, 
and you have two walls set at the 30 and the 35 that are five yards apart from the re- and uh, there's a return man and the walls can't move until the returner catches the ball it's super exciting it's creating more opportunities to return the ball um, and it's you know going into the safety aspect of it it's taking away those big collisions while also still you know rewarding and pushing teams to try to make returns which football had lost it also has a super exciting um conversion game i guess you could call it when you score a touchdown you no longer can kick a field goal you can either decide to go for one two or three if you go for one the ball is placed at the two yard line if you go for two it's placed at the five and if you go for three it's placed at the 10 so every time a team scores they are often stays on the field and they're trying to add points again it's creating more discrepancy in the scoreboard it's forcing teams to constantly be pushing the ball down the field there also have changed rules about kicking if you kick the ball out of bounds your team is penalized basically it's it's a league built around offense but surprisingly all of the unders have been hitting a lot in the last four weeks so there is a lot of good defense a lot of unknown names but some ex-nfl players playing in the league from Landry Jones to Sammy Coates to Cameron Artis Payne, a lot of a lot of old names that we know, and a lot of new names like P.J. Walker, Cam Phillips, guys that are just taking the league by storm and are honestly going to be probably NFL product by the end of this league. So a little background on the league right there. It's a 10-week season, so it's going to be, you know, it started the week after the Super Bowl. It's going to run all the way into beginning of, or into April. It's a 10-week season. There's eight teams, four in the West, four in the East. Ten-team season. Top two teams from each conference go to the playoffs. And then those two teams play a playoff game, ultimately, for our final two teams to play in the championship. It's a super exciting product. If you love football, you got to check it in. Ratings have been through the roof on it. I highly recommend people watching it. Again, they got teams in Los Angeles, Seattle, Houston, Dallas, D.C., New York, Tampa Bay, St. Louis. And I honestly think, I think if they if they continue to slowly grow, that this league can stick around. That's the big question. Is this a one-hit wonder, or does Vince McMahon have something that can stick around for a while? He said he has enough money to last this thing for three years. We shall see. Um, players are on one-year contracts, but... And the, another awesome thing about this league is players are all making anywhere from 50000 to quarterbacks making one hundred and fifty to 400000 And every team, it adds to the excitement of the game, every team is awarded an extra $100,000 if you win each week. So each winning team gets a bonus of 2200 per player, which is super exciting because then you see after every game, these guys are partying in the locker rooms because it means not only just to win the game, but it means you get a bonus paycheck every week. These guys are not, you know, known commodities. So we're getting, we're seeing genuine competition on the field. None of these divas making a lot of money. Everyone's just wanting to get back to the league. I honestly think the NFL can turn this into a product that they can, you know, turn into a farm system where they can recruit a lot of these guys. If the XFL opens this up to, you know, opens their age range up to about 18, we could be seeing high school kids deciding to no longer go to the college ranks and go straight into the XFL, play for three years, then go to the NFL, right? If these guys don't want to worry about not making any money and putting their bodies on the line for three years for a degree, 
if you're one of these top guys that knows you're going to the NFL, why wouldn't you maybe go to the XFL where you can make a little bit of money, still get great coaching because there's a lot of ex-NFL quality coaches and uh, college football coaches in this league, and you can make a little money. So the potential for this league to stick around is here if they play their cards right. I honestly think they should look at Major League Soccer's model. Most of these teams are playing in soccer stadiums anyways. Don't try to grow too much, all right? Continue with the small small town like college football styled rivalries and soccer MLS rivalries. Uh, just just b- stick to what is working. It is working right now. I'm afraid if they try to go grow too fast, it could all implode. But I have faith this league is going to stick around. So check it out every Saturday and Sunday on FS1, Fox, ESPN. There's games. They're super exciting. The teams are all uh they're the the logos are amazing. The ball is a unique football. It's got the team logos on them. It's just a fun product. And uh, the great thing that I didn't even mention is if you don't know anything about football, watch the XFL. You'll get an education on football because all of the players, officials, and the people in the booths, mics, are live almost the whole game. And they're really breaking down every play and uh, giving you an in-depth look at what, what goes into every play call and every decision. It's really cool check it out. I recommend the XFL. Last thing I'm going to talk about today, guys, two shows. Now, okay, I'm kind of, I don't know. I'd like to say I'm not a snob, but the older I get, the less I care about watching just random crap on TV. But I will say there are two shows right now that have my full attention, have me every Wednesday night or Thursday tuned into my uh, my DVR Hulu to get a recap on these shows, and I can't fall behind. And uh, those are Lego Masters and The Masked Singer. I'm not ashamed to admit. Guilty pleasure shows right now. I haven't watched this much reality TV or competition since probably my childhood when American Idol launched or the beginning of Survivor when I used to watch weekly with my mom. But uh, these two shows... I remember the promo for The Masked Singer coming out and me uh, just thinking, this is the dumbest show idea ever, and it won't even last a season. And I watched one episode to just be like, let's see what these idiots are doing wearing these masks. And guys, I'm not ashamed to say I was hooked, all right? You guys got to check in. The Masked Singer, it's on Fox. It's on Wednesdays. It's hosted by Nick Cannon. They got hosts like Robin Thicke, Jenny McCarthy Wahlberg, Ken Jong, Nicole Scherzinger, who was a member of the Pussycat Dolls, and they have legit superstars wearing masks, singing. They sound amazing. They look ridiculous, but it's so fun to try to guess whose voice it is under there. Season one winner was T-Pain. Season two, I swear I thought it was Jamie Foxx the whole season, and it ended up being Wayne Brady. We're in season three right now, and it's already like Fox's biggest show right now. It's insane. I watch every Wednesday. Uh, I'm addicted, and I'm not ashamed. You guys should check it out if you're not watching it, and we can try to guess who the hell these people are in the max. I swear Gronkowski, Rob Gronkowski, is in the White Tiger costume this season. Uh, let me know what else you guys think, uh, Who who's underneath these masks. There's got to be some superstars. I mean, we have uh, some big people. Little Wayne got knocked out the first episode of this season. That's how many – that's how big – of the the talent is on this show. Little Wayne got booted in the first episode. The second show that I'm watching, 
Lego Masters just premiered this year, hosted by Will Arnett. I don't know about you guys, but I was a Lego addict as a kid. Even as an adult in college, I used to buy a bunch of Legos and build them in my spare time. It's an expensive-ass hobby, so I stopped it. But this show is amazing because they've brought in these teams, of these duos that are, a lot of them are professional builders. Some of them are more casual, but they are competing for $100,000 in the title of Lego Masters, building some amazing things. They get stuck in this giant room together. They get given anywhere from eight to 12 hours to build and they find out what they have to build on the spot and the stuff they build is amazing if you like legos check it out the first episode they had to build a theme park oh my god these theme parks look like something you would see at the lego store it was it was unreal i just wanted to sit there and play with all the freaking legos um the last episode they built uh movie genre so they had to they all got picked um, a movie theme and had to build whatever the genre was, whether it was horror, thriller, comedy, whatnot, and they had to make a scene out of it. A couple episodes ago, they built a cut-in-half episode where they were given an item that was sawed completely in half, and they had to build on the backside of the item and basically recreate it or create whatever on the backside of it to tell a story. Super cool, super talented people. I honestly think the front runners. there's three people, Tyler and Amy, this newlywed couple on there. He's like a Lego fanatic, and she wasn't really, but they got married. They've been building amazing things. They're like my sleeper pick to win it all. The two best people, though, I think are there's these two guys named Aaron and Christian. One's in a suit, one's in like a t-shirt, and the other and they just build amazing stuff. They almost got booted off last episode, but they build they built a Ferris wheel out of Legos. It was amazing. But I think the winners is these two guys in beards, Mark and Boone. If you're not watching, watch. These guys are funny as hell, and the stuff they build. Oh my god. I'm so freaking jealous. I wish I was that good at building stuff with Legos. Fact, frankly, I just wish I had side money to be able to buy Legos and play with them all day because who doesn't love Legos? So those are the two shows, guys. Check them out. The Mass Singer, Lego Masters, my stamp of approval. I highly recommend them. And let me know what other shows you guys are watching. Again, I'd love to talk about other shows on this show. And uh, I'm always looking for stuff to watch. So check those out and uh, let me know what you think. Thank you guys so much. This is going to be the end of my show today. Again, I went on at bated breath about Bob Iger and what Disney's doing right now. Check out the XFL. Great new product. Saturdays and Sundays. And uh, tune in to uh, Lego Masters and Mastinger. They should be paying me for me plugging them like this. But uh, it's stuff that I like to watch and I want to see if you guys enjoy it too. But thanks so much for listening, guys. Tune in for the next episode on Ready or Not. We'll have some more great stuff for you. Thanks so much, guys. Have a great rest of your day.